eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Swamp 247 podcast. I'm Jacob Rudner alongside Blake Alderman. And Blake, it's a little bit of a new look podcast for us since our staff changed been a bit since we've done one of these, but we have plenty to talk about now that we're back. And we'll start with the big news that the fan base has been talking about. There's been plenty of uh, meltdown, plenty of freak out from the fan base early on after Florida had uh, I would say probably a subpar under standard month of June in recruiting overall. So I would say first, let's just catch up on what has gone on since our last show and what the reason is behind the fan reaction, especially on the Swamp 247 message board. Uh, just what's going on? Well, it's it's been a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Obviously, Ford has added a, a handful of commits in the month of June. Um, they've seen a lot of, uh, of targets they really wanted commit elsewhere, um, you know, I think the starter, you know, is the, is the big one of the quarterback of Jaden Rashada who picked Miami after Florida was, uh, you know, really trending there before he pushed back a decision date. Um, so, you know, the, the good has definitely been outweighed by the bad when you see a lot of these top targets um, have been picking elsewhere. That's pretty typical in recruiting. Everyone always remembers the bad news more than they remember the good news. But the, the way that the month of June ended for Florida, you could see that, the, you know, the air really kind of started to come out of the balloon there, just seeing a lot of these guys commit elsewhere. So it's been a fun month, and I think it's taken – I feel like the month of June has lasted for like six years for me. So it's been, it's been great. Yeah, it's been a busy month. But one of the things that you had mentioned recently that you said you had never even seen before was Florida lost out on a commitment from top-rated center Roderick Kearney. He committed to Florida State a half an hour after leaving Florida's campus on his official visit. You've, you've never seen that before. That's a, that's a big loss for Florida. What, what happened there? I know that you had been reporting that Florida actually felt pretty good about his recruitment and kind of where they stood within it. So what, what exactly went down with him? You know, he, he took the, uh, an unofficial visit the week before. So, so last, uh, like a week ago, um, he took the unofficial visit um, to Florida, was there for two days, uh, Monday and Tuesday. Um, one of his teammates who he's really close with was offered as a preferred walk-on, a wide receiver. Um, you know, Florida had felt like, you know, that he, he – I guess let me start at the beginning. Heading into whenever Florida staff was hired, they felt like Florida State was the wide, pretty pretty gap leader, which was kind of, um, you know, what a lot of, you know, the whispers and the buzz on the recruiting trail kind of backed up to, that Florida State was in the, the prime position for this recruitment. Right. He got his first ever visit back in the spring. He brought his mother – um, really kind of spoke highly of it, you know, said that Florida had become, you know, a, a factor in his recruitment. Then he takes that second visit that I mentioned in June, you know, said that Florida is continuing to build some momentum there, um, sets the official visit for this past weekend, and, uh, you know, spends the weekend there. Um, you know, the, the intel coming out of there, you know, from the Florida side seemed that, you know, they had, you know, really kind of closed the gap significantly on, the, on what Florida State had had early on. Um, they felt like they were a player there. They did 
didn't feel like a commitment was imminent for him. It didn't feel like a decision was imminent. Um, you know, I'm out there, you know, waiting to interview some of the visitors when they leave. You know, he was, you know, we were told, you know, no interviews coming out of the visit. And maybe 30, 45 minutes later, you know, when he's on his car ride back home, he puts up the edit that he's committed to Florida State. So I've I've seen guys that have made decisions after taking official visits, obviously, whether it's, just, you know, whether it's the school that they just visited or another school or, you know, whatever that may be. But I have never seen one that has been in the car on the way home, you know, fresh off a visit and that quickly of a turnaround. So that was that was a first for me. Right. And one of the things that we were reporting was that Florida really had no idea, or at least it seems like they had no idea that this was going to be coming. They seemed somewhat blindsided by Kearney's decision to commit to Florida State. Is that something that's concerning to you? Like, where where does that stack on the concern list? Because, again, Florida's staff is still new. They have not coached a game yet. It's their first round of full recruiting cycle in the SEC. Remember, Billy Napier comes from the Sun Belt, so he doesn't even have really experience as a head coach of this conference at all is this a concern? Is it something to keep an eye on? What, where does this kind of rank on the, on the concern index? You know, I think it's pretty concerning. I think that, you know, one of the parts of recruiting is being able to read these guys, you know, these recruits um, kind of have all your ducks in a row. And, and whenever you have a coach like Billy Napier that, you know, you talk about how orchestrated he is, how organized, how, you know, he, you know, he can visit a, a high school you know, one month and come back a couple months later and he'll remember the same conversations that he had with you know, someone while he was there. So I think whenever you have someone that has been painted as being meticulous and all those things, you know, you, those, you, know, you never want to get caught off guard on the recruiting trail. So I think the fact that it was such a blindsided move, um, I think it's concerning. I think it's something that, you know, I don't know that you would hit the panic button over. I'm not saying it's good by any means, but I think it's something that you need to learn quickly and you need to make sure that this does not happen again. Right, and, and Florida has seemingly felt strongly that they were in at least a positive position if not leading for several other kids it, it wasn't just Kearney Rashada I think at one point was was kind of in a similar boat where Florida at least felt somewhat confident about where they stood in his recruitment maybe top two if not first but there are other guys Grayson Howard they felt very positively about although it seemed like that was always kind of trending towards South Carolina where he committed on Monday uh, Tomarian Parker committed to Penn State he was teammates with cornerback A.J. Harris, who committed to Georgia, and Florida felt great about A.J. Harris coming out of his visit a couple months ago. Uh, Trayon Webb, a running back who has ties to Florida, long been considered almost a lock to go to UF, has crystal ball picks to go elsewhere. Uh, Peyton Kirkland is another guy who Florida felt really good about for a while and seems to be trending in a different direction. What, where is Florida standing for real with those guys? And, and, and I'll go back to the same question. Are you starting to get worried about the shape of the 2023 class for this staff and where they're headed right now you know i think so i think whenever a lot of those guys you mentioned had made multiple visits to florida you know i think whenever you're seeing you know the multiple visits happen it's almost kind of like you know you're being put in the friend zone almost you know whenever you're dating a girl and you know you, you she hangs out with you all the time but you know you never really you know get in there to a relationship you're just kind of you know you're the friend and you know i think whenever you see a lot of these guys they have plenty of positive things to have about the coaching staff um, you know, one of the biggest gripes that I had on the former coaching staff was their ability to close. You know, closing is a is an elite talent in recruiting. You know, some are just good at it. Some are just not good at it. You know, and heading in, you know, I, I was really positive when you look at what this staff did last December heading into the early signing period. You know, I think that they made significant moves with some big time players. And that really kind of had a lot of people excited going forward. Obviously, February, you saw some of these targets commit elsewhere, but it's it's tough whenever you're you know, hired and you have a couple months to really build your board and, you know, kind of close out these things. And, you know, to an extent, they're still playing catch up with a lot of these guys. You know, I think that 
Um, you know, a lot of areas in the state of Florida, there were some sour relationships from the former staff that this new staff has had to dig themselves out of. But, you know, whenever you have a lot of these guys that have visited multiple times, you know, you, you don't want to see these guys make these types of visits to Florida and still pick elsewhere. You know, I mean, you mentioned um, guys like, uh, you know, Kearney, who we already touched on. I think Grayson Howard has always been a pretty heavy lean to South Carolina. Um, but you have, you know, Mike Peterson, who came over from South Carolina and was, you know, was involved in recruiting him at, from South Carolina and who has, you know, ties to Jacksonville, was recruiting Jacksonville for South Carolina. You know, you see a guy like that at a position that Florida really needs to add some players at. You know, you don't want to see them get beat out by South Carolina. You know, that's just not something that a lot of people are used to, a guy from Jacksonville that's picking South Carolina. Granted, he did visit there nine or ten times over the course of his recruitment. But, you know, I, I think – it's concerning whenever you see that you know that Florida has ground to make up on these guys, but they're still not able to do that. You know, there's even though they're having these guys visit. I mean, look at Grayson Howard to put him in for an example. He visited three times in the month of June alone leading up to that commitment to South Carolina, an official visit and then two more unofficial visits. And he still picked a school that everyone had really expected him to pick for the last several months. And it doesn't matter if they get him on campus a couple of times, they're just not able to close that gap. Um, you know, with, with AJ Harris, that one was a little bit more of a wilder recruitment, I think, you know, because that's a guy that, you know, had given Florida some strong indication in the spring that he was going to pick them. You know, you see the, right. uh, the the sunglasses emoji that was made for him. Um, you know, he was able to, uh, you know, walk away from that visit without making a commitment um, and then ended up sliding back to Georgia. So I think, again, that's another one where you would want to see things close. You know, that's a, that's not a big position of need for Florida, but it's just to be able to stockpile five-star type of talent as things that this staff wants to do to improve the roster. Tamori and Parker, you know, Florida was, was really, that was one that they really had to dig out of a hole from because I think the bad, the, the old staff, and I've written it a couple times and he's mentioned it a couple times that he really just did not like the old staff. He visited for the spring game, you know, seemed to get Florida in play, came back again for an unofficial visit. That's one where I'm curious to see if he does take visits down the line because he did commit to Penn State, was his first official visit, decided not to take any others. So that's one that I'm curious to see if things change in the fall. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily that Penn State's going to have a bad record that I'm feeling or anything. It's just, you know, a guy in the South that's committed to a school up North. You just see that, you know, the closer it gets to time, is he going to have that change of heart to where it's like, well, man, you know, I've got these options. I got these visits. Do I want to check out some of these places close to home? So that's one that I, I would at least just my complete opinion I wouldn't be shocked if he takes visits down the line, you know, into the fall, go check some games out. I think Webb would be a significant blow for Florida. Um, he's D Webb's cousin. Like you mentioned, you know, he has those ties as being a legacy to Florida. Um, he's visited. I, I couldn't even tell you how many times he's visited. I, I would say right. close to 10. And that's just kind of ballpark there. He's mm -hmm. visited a lot. Um, so, you know, for him to go in there for Penn state and take that one official visit and that, and if that one does change the tides for Florida, you know, that's one where, you know, they weren't able to close again. You know, I've, I've heard that Florida's still been in contact with Webb. You know, they feel like they feel like Penn State is a threat for sure. They feel like that visit went really well and that Penn State is, is a team they're certainly watching. Um, but they feel like the conversations they've had with him, they've kind of smoothed things over that, you know, where it's not – they aren't conceding him, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So, but Webb, I, you know, I, I have logged a crystal ball for Florida. I haven't changed it yet. I'm keeping a much closer eye on it right now. Yeah. But – Earlier on, man, you know, even whenever I was feeling Florida, there was always some feeling in my gut that, you know, you have to remember this is a guy that was committed and decommitted from two different schools twice um, before his junior year was even up. So is it shocking that there's a little bit of late drama here in this in this recruitment leading up to his June 30th commitment? I, I don't think I'm shocked by that at all. But I do think that, you know, and it ties back to 
you know, a lot of people that were upset about the AJ Harris decision, you know, him obviously trending away elsewhere, you know, Billy Napier puts out the, uh, the sunglasses emoji and, you know, and it doesn't come to fruition, but this is, you know, Webb is another guy that, you know, the why not Florida tweets that were all up there, you know, and these are ones where, you know, they are really trying, they're really putting in the effort. It's, it's concerning whenever you see these guys that are ended up trending elsewhere. We'll see if that's the case with Webb. There's still some, you know, a couple of days leading up to the decision. A couple of days in recruiting is almost like an eternity. So we'll see if, if, you know, they are able to, you know, kind of fend off these late official visits. Rashada is a big blow. There's really no way to put it. You know, Florida was the odds on favor there. Um, you know, you talked to a lot of people leading up to uh, his at one point earlier decision, which was uh, June 18th. Um, you know, Florida was, you know, looking like the team to beat. He decides to, to postpone things, takes an official visit to Miami, who was a school that earlier on in the year had significant buzz after he took an unofficial visit there. And I think that, uh, you know, the fact that they were able to get him in on that, on that official visit, Miami was, was still able to land his commitment, even though they already had another QB commitment. You know, Florida really had checked off a lot of boxes for him as far as playing time. Um, you know, NIL was big with him, and Florida was obviously, you know, playing the game with that, with, with Rashada. Um, so, you know, to see a guy like that, you know, come in and have Miami swoop in in the last week, you know, that, that's, that's a gut punch. That was a gut punch recruitment for Florida. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that a lot of fans are going to want to know and whether or not we can fully educate on them on it right now is, is, you know, remains to be seen. I think it's a topic that we're all still kind of trying to figure out. But the NIL aspect for Florida is now becoming a serious question, because like you said, NIL played a massive factor in the recruitment of Jaden Rashada. It's been widely reported that Miami and Florida got into some sort of a bidding war. Billy Napier has made comments publicly that he does not want to be in bidding wars as a team. He doesn't, it doesn't agree with his philosophy. What, what, what do you think about that comment in general and kind of what needs to happen with Florida from an NIL perspective, not necessarily talking about their available finances, but just with the way that they're going to approach it moving forward in order to remain in the race for some of these top prospects like Jaden Rashada, who they weren't able to close on presumably because NIL played a factor. You know, I don't think that I know enough right now on NIL. It's just far as, you know, where Florida's at stance-wise. You know, you've seen a lot of parents that have talked about that Florida's not really, you know, really conversing. They're not really – it doesn't seem like NIL is something that – I think that Florida staff is still learning a lot about, and that's – I think that a lot of staffs are dealing with that, of, you know, kind of the lay of the land, you know, what can you do, what can't you do. Um, you know, I think that NIL – um, is something that the staff is, is struggling with on the recruiting trail because, and it's tough because, you know, a lot of the staffs, they aren't actively involved in NIL. So, you know, it's kind of like something that they can't necessarily control. You know, you can, I, I don't know, I, I guess I assume that you could have conversations with recruits whenever they're on visits about, you know, what's going on in that aspect. But um, I, I think that this staff just doesn't seem to be as, as aggressive with it as, you know, the Texas A&Ms, the Miamis, you know, Michigan State, some of those types of schools that, you know, have sure. just have been thrown out there of, of, you know, being involved in NIL and, you know, being really aggressive about that. And there's just no rules right now on it. You know, there, there's, I mean, there, there are some obviously, but um, you know, it, it's kind of like the wild west out there with NIL. And I think that Florida is trying to do things about in a certain way, whereas other schools are just kind of doing whatever they want to. And, you know, with, with no restrictions on there, it's like, you know, you're driving a, you know, a, a souped up car on, you know, a straightaway, you know, you know, highway with no speed limits, you know, and, and is, is it something that they're going to enforce later? Um, so it seems like Florida's kind of, you know, riding the, you know, what you would think a, a speed limit would be on a road, um, you know, to where, you know, uh, well, are they going to pull me over? Is there a speed limit? So I, I think that a lot of these schools are driving balls to the walls and, you know, I don't, I don't really get that vibe from Florida. So I think that that is something that's holding them back as far as NIL. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
we might not be talking about the superstar level of recruitments that I think fans want us to be talking about and those guys committing to Florida, but Florida has landed now several commitments, especially since we last recorded an episode of the Swamp 247 pro, uh, podcast. Excuse me. Just let's talk a little bit about those guys. Florida has eight commitments right now, seven of them from the state of Florida. They rank 38th overall, I believe, in recruiting in the 2023 class as of Monday when we're recording this. Uh, results, not, I think, what fans were expecting. Uh, but they are bringing in recruits. They are absolutely living within this footprint. Uh, every single one of their recruiter, re every single one of their commits comes from within a 350 mile radius. What do you think about the guys that they have in the fold now and with what they've been able to do with those guys? You know, I think that when you're looking in the state of Florida, that's an area where, you know, coaching staff fans really wanted Florida to get more active in, you know, kind of, you know, keeping these guys home. I think they've done a good job with that, obviously, when, you know, the numbers you throw out there. Um, you know, I, I like a lot of the players that they have added. I think Creed Whittemore, who, for, you know, 24-7 sports already has as a top 247 player. Um, you know, he's got the speed. He's really shown that, you know, through the track season this spring. Um, has played some quarterback predominantly for his high school, but whenever you've seen him work out at wide receiver, um, I got a chance to see him do that at Friday Night Lights uh, last July. And, I, you know, he was, you know, Florida had some really good defensive backs out there at that camp, and he was doing, you know, a very good job, you know, had the wiggle, had separation, you know, showed good hands. You know, there were a lot of things that, you know, he really stuck out at that camp with. So I really like that take, you know, and I think the speed that he's shown this spring, um, slot receiver is a big need for Florida this class. You know, they have a lot of these taller guys, you know, adding some speed, being able to take the top off of the defense, I think is important. And I think he, he checks off a lot of those boxes there. Um, Najee Harris, uh, Bryce Lovett, um, and uh, Tommy Kinsler, um, they're all offensive linemen for Florida. So I think that's a good start for Florida's offensive line class because I feel like I've been saying this, you know, I feel like I've been in a twilight zone for the last several years with Florida. Whenever you talk about what's the biggest need, what's the area they need to prove at, it's offensive line. You know, so I think that going into the end of June and having three commitments, um, at that offensive line position, it's, it's a good start for Florida. They've got, you know, guys like four-star Monroe Freeling, uh, four-star Lucas Simmons. Um, you know, they've got those types of guys still on the board for Florida as far as, you know, offensive linemen that they're still recruiting going forward. Um, you know, so I, I think they've got a good start to the offensive line class. They need to continue to build in. You know, you would like to see some of those, you know, top 247, top, you know, 150 type players, you know, end up in Florida's class. I think those are, that's what you need to see next. But I do like the start they've had on the offensive line. Now yeah, you look at, so yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. A defensive line is another big position for Florida. Isaiah Nixon, the four-star, you know, edge rusher who is being recruited as a Jack linebacker by Sean Spencer and Mike Peterson, um, flipped from UCF earlier in the month of June after taking an official visit was a guy that Florida turned the heat up on, you know, closer to the, the spring evaluation period into June, whenever they set that official visit up, takes the official visit to Florida, flipped a couple days later or a day later or something to that effect. Um, so I, I think he's a guy that if you get him in that system, um, you know, he, he's been productive as far as, you know, 10 sacks as a junior, 75 tackles total. So I think that you've got something to work with there. Build him up, build his frame up. You know, that's a guy that in a couple of years could, you know, be a big time player in the SEC. Gavin Hill is a guy that, you know, the, the local four-star defensive lineman from the Gainesville area was a guy that camped at Florida, was offered the same day. And people that I talked to that were at the camp had nothing but great things to say about his camp performance. They loved his aggressiveness. They loved what he did in one-on-one -on -one settings. They loved that the guy even went out and played some tight end and showed how athletic he was. So that was a guy that, you know, immediately got the offer, was a guy they wanted. Ten days later, he's committed to Florida. So, um, you know, again, areas that they really wanted to hit, such as, you know, the wide receiver position, the offensive line position, and the defensive line position are all areas that Florida did a great job of hitting in the month of June. 
Um, some of those guys, you need to continue to add some of those elite guys, you know, going forward. But I think what they've done in the month of June, as far as those positions that were needs have been great. Absolutely. And the thing that I was going to say, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, the thing that I was going to say is I think two of those three offensive linemen who you mentioned, Najee, Har excuse me, Bryce Lovett and Tommy Kinsler, I think they outplay their ranking. I think that those are two guys who have the potential to rise up before things are all said and done, especially Kinsler. I think he's an aggressive, athletic guy. And you, can't, you commented on Gavin Hill's camp performance at Florida. I think Kinsler was another guy who I heard from talking to some people who were able to watch him, who had a really strong camp performance. I know Florida staff thinks he's underrated, and that's not just because he's committed to the program. I think they really do think that his, I believe it's a low 800s ranking at the moment. Uh, I think that they think that that is far too low for him, and I don't necessarily disagree. So I think to your comment, not only have they brought in three offensive line guys, and, and granted, not the elite ones that I think fans are expecting and that the class really needs, but the guys who they do have in the fold are quite talented, and their ranking might not necessarily reflect that at the moment. You know, and it's funny you mentioned Kinsler. Uh, I can't remember what cycle it was. It was uh, the year that Florida landed Jake Slaughter. Um, they, that, that Trinity Catholic team in Ocala, they had like three D1 guys that ended up going D1 on the offensive line. Yeah. And if you talk to people, you know, coaching staff guys, you know, guys that are in the area, you know, just contacts around Ocala, they said that even whenever Kinsler was an underclassman, that they, he was the guy that had the highest upside on that offensive line. So I think that speaks a lot of him, of a guy that was an underclassman at the time and was still, you know, getting pointed out as being a guy with the highest ceiling on an offensive line that had like three D1 players. So. Um, you know, I, I agree. I think he's a guy that does outplay his ranking down the road. Um, offensive line is a hard position in general for, you know, recruiting sites to scout. You just never know how bodies will mold down the road. I mean, you, I've seen five-star offensive linemen not work out, and I've seen three-star offensive linemen outplay their ranking. So it's definitely a hard position to handle. But I do like Kinsler a lot, and I think he's, uh, I think he's a guy that I agree. I think he outplays his ranking. Absolutely. And for anybody curious, those three guys were Jake Slaughter, who's currently at Florida, Garner Langlow, who's at Auburn, and Caleb Johnson, who's currently at Notre Dame, who played along that offensive line at Trinity Catholic with Tommy Kinsler. And with that, Blake, our final thing, what can fans look forward to on the recruiting front? Who is out there that has a commitment date coming up soon, month of July, with Florida really in the mix, maybe even a leader for? Is, is there a list of guys who, who fans can, can look out for? You know, Malik Bryant, uh, the, the four-star linebacker, Peyton Kirkland, the four-star offensive lineman. I think those are two guys that, that – well, they will be committing on July 23rd. I think those are two guys that I don't know that I would bet on Florida right now. I think for Bryant, you know, there's obviously still a month or a little under a month before he makes his decision. I'm looking at Miami and Florida being the biggest battle there. Um, I think that I would lean Miami at this point. With Peyton Kirkland, I would lean to more of a Michigan State-Oklahoma battle. I have heard that, you know, there are some concerns that Florida's kind of backed off a little bit. You know, I wouldn't say they have completely pulled out of that recruitment, but I would say that if there's a gas pedal on it, they've started to ease off of it a little bit. So um, I think that that's one that I could see trending elsewhere. Uh, Trayon Webb, we already mentioned. That's one where I'm, I'm kind of seeing how things go the next couple of days, you know, June 30th decision date. Right now, I would say it's a Penn State-Florida battle. South Carolina has just got them on campus for an official visit. I'm not sure if that changed anything there. Just coming off the visit, I haven't heard anything new there. Um, Francis Maui Goa, the five-star offensive lineman, um, he'll be making his decision on July 4th. We've heard different teams that could be involved there. I think the three that are probably most talked about, I think Tennessee is where I'm leaning right now. Um, USC, I think, is a factor, and I believe Florida is a factor. I think you could even throw Miami in there, too. Um, they've had some buzz in there. I'm looking at Tennessee for him right now. Um, but that's one that where it seems like it's still 
Mm, I wouldn't say it's 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 a wide open race, but I do think that there are some teams that haven't quite conceded where they are at yet with him. Uh, Derek LeBlanc, the four-star defensive lineman from down in the Osceola area, um, recently named the final three of Penn State, Oklahoma, and Florida. Uh, he'll make his decision on um, July – what day is it? I know you just wrote it. Was it July 28th? July 28th, yeah. July 28th, so he'll make his decision then. Um, there's been some whispers that his, his uh, Kissimmee Osceola uh, teammates, cornerback Jakeem Jackson, four-star defensive lineman uh, John Walker could be making the same decision with him. I haven't seen them announce any any sort of you know commitment dates yet, but that's something certainly to keep an eye on. So those are you know another guy too, four star edge guy Keldrick Falk out of the uh, out of the state of Alabama. Um, he's down to about four schools. He'll make his decision on July fifth. That's one where I'm leaning in, but being more of a Florida State Clemson battle. I know Florida still had some dialogue there. We'll see if anything changes there. He's taken four official visits in the month of June. Um, Auburn is the in-state school. I haven't heard much buzz on them. I've heard a lot of buzz on Florida State and Clemson so far with him. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for us, Blake, on our uh, return to the Swamp 247 podcast after a little hiatus. Any final thoughts from you before we get out of here? You know, not really. I, it's the dead period now. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to things slowing down a little bit, but then I look at all these decision dates that are going to be popping up over the next couple of weeks, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, what is a dead period? Like, I don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> I think the only thing dead inside is me. There you go. Final <laughs> thoughts from Blake. He's dead inside, and that'll do it for us on the Swamp 247 podcast. Make sure you keep it locked on the website for more news with regard to football, basketball, and baseball, and we will see you next time on the podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.